sanity checked it with a couple of people, we were driving into work within 30 seconds, we'd driven past 10. But this is a photo, next one, uh, taking a view from here across the road, there's at least a dozen within direct eye line adverts out there. If you go online or on social media, there are adverts everywhere. They're on the right hand side of your screen, most of those are designed to make us want something that we don't have right now, that somebody else does have. Um, that's envy. We live in the age of envy. Envy. Take a look at this short video. this 
displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lion, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. We skip down to verse 17. Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter, Mab. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do it instead. In other words, they'll get him. Great story. Many, if you're familiar with reading the Bible, there are many stories of envy in the Bible. That if you look in Genesis chapter 4, the first time that we come across the word sin in the Bible, it's in the context of Cain playing murder and actually delivering murder on his brother Abel. And it came out of envy. If you're familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau, Joseph, you know, the guy with the dream coat, and his brothers, Leah and Rachel. Envy crops up time and time again. And what it does is it destroys families, it makes people miserable, and at times leads towards violence and murder. The background to the story that we've just read is set about a thousand years BC. Saul is the king, David is his anointed successor. And we have this scene in verse 6 of the army coming home from battle. And when troops did that in the ancient world, they would come back victorious and there would be a parade that would welcome them home. And included in that, the women would sing and they would dance and they would welcome the army back home. And that's what happens here. And these women are essentially singing this. Saul, well, he's okay, but David is better in every way. That's essentially what they're singing. Saul has killed thousands, David tens of thousands. David is ten times better. That's what they're singing. Now, envy, as I've said, can be really hard to spot in our own lives. But you might be, you might have had situations where you are just aware that that crops up. You know, for myself, uh, as a senior pastor, sometimes I find myself in gatherings with other senior pastors, and everyone's really nice, but actually all they're wanting to really ask is, how big is your church? If you go and visit another church building, you get church envy. And if you go and visit another church building with the worship guys and the sound engineer, they will invariably go and look at the sound desk. Because that's what they do. It's sound desk envy. That's what happens. What we're going to do this morning is look at a picture of how envy shows up in somebody else's life. We're going to look at the life of Saul. And my hope is, is that as we do that, maybe we'll see something and we'll say, I do that too. That's how it shows up in my life. So I'm going to share this morning four ways to detect envy in our lives. First way, envy blinds us. Envy blinds us. You see in verse 9, we read that Saul kept a close eye on David. Kept a close eye on him. You go through to the New Testament, where you find the word envy 
It is actually from a Greek word, actually a composite of two Greek words. The first is ophthalmos, from which we get ophthalmologist. It literally means eye. And the second word is poneros, which means evil. So envy is literally giving someone the evil eye. That's what it means. If you look at paintings from the Middle Ages, when they depict someone that was envious, they would often do so by showing the eyes as narrow slits. And if you look into the paintings of a guy called Dante, what you find is he would actually depict them with their eyelids sewn together with wire. When we're envious, what happens is, is that the other person is reduced down to the one thing that we want. So we, we look to a slit at the one thing that we want and we're blind to the rest of it. You see, the soul is king. He has everything, power and palace. Everything, except one thing. It's the praise of these women. He doesn't have that. And so he gives David the evil eye. He reduces him down to someone who gets more praise than me. It's blinded. Envy blinds us. Second thing, envy compares. Envy compares. Silver slain, thousands. David, tens of thousands. Comparison. Generally, we envy people who are quite like us, but maybe a step or two ahead of us. We generally don't envy people who are a million miles away. So still in the news this week, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, is worth like $140 billion. You might look at him and think, but you know, he's, his life is so far removed. We envy people who are close, who are like us. Maybe someone in the same business, a colleague, a similar social demographic, similar gifting, similar position. So if you think in the sporting arena, sprinters don't envy swimmers. Sprinters envy other sprinters who are just a little bit faster than them. Pop stars don't envy plumbers. Pop stars envy other musicians who are a bit more popular, who are selling a bit more music than they are. We envy those that are similar to us, and I hope this isn't a shock, we carry those kind of things into church. We carry it into the church. Here's an example. Singers on a worship team. Generally, they don't struggle with the success of the church accountant. Generally. Who do they struggle with? Other singers. Why did they get to sing that solo? Why did they get to lead that song? In fact, why are they even in that band? And I haven't been asked. That's who they struggle with. Parents, have you ever struggled with another parent as they gushingly detail just how gifted their children are? Have you ever struggled with that? Maybe you've read some of those round-robin newsletters that go round about Christmas, and maybe uh, you know, some other people that you're connected with, it's kind of like, gosh, my child is so talented. My five-year-old has just read War and Peace. They're just so gifted. And you sat there and you know that with your five-year-old, 
sticking crayons up their nose and barking their favorite song. Comparison. Well, you know, I heard that their mum 
uses flashcards with them for two hours a day. And you know, I, I just don't think that's a good way to bring up children. I, I think they should be having fun. They should be shoving crayons up their nose. I, 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 ju- I just think they're cheating, really. You know that, that guy on the other team who's always meeting his sales targets? I heard that one of his kids was on drugs. It's been really hard at home. Heart goes out for him. Envy destroys. It hurts churches. Hurts families. Erodes trust. Kills joy in our lives. Envy will lead us to miss what God is wanting to gift into our lives. Because we'll be preoccupied by what is going on in somebody else's life. That we'll miss what he wants to give into our lives. Best test for envy. Really good test for envy. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is a really good test for envy. So if a colleague of yours gets a promotion ahead of you, going for the same job, how do you respond? Are you pleased for them? Are you celebrating with them? Or inside, are you secretly hoping that they're going to fall flat on their face? And the boss will come to you and say, look, could you do this? And you say, yeah, and inwardly you're knowing, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. They, they were rubbish anyway. Are you going to celebrate with them or be sad when they fall over? The person who gets to sing in a worship band rather than you. You know, that person gets laryngitis one morning. Are you going to be sad for them? Or are you going to be singing inside? How do we respond? Well, are we going to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn? Four ways that we can detect envy in our lives. What's the cure? What's the cure? How can we live a life beyond envy? First thing is we need to recognize that there are these patterns in our lives. I don't have up there. That's me. And once we've done that, living a life beyond envy, I believe, is rooted in two basic things. These two things will help us to live a life beyond envy. The first is to bask in God's love for us. To bask in God's love for us. Everything changes if we know that we are loved. If we know that we are supremely valued by the one whose opinion really matters, we will live a life beyond envy. If we allow our identity to be formed, not by what people are saying around us, not by our own achievements, but by the one who made us and by the one who loves us, and if our identity is formed by what he says about us. And if we're soaked in God's love, I believe that we will find freedom from envy. Soak in verses like 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This is, what, this is a great verse to soak your life in. When you're aware of comparison and envy going on, read verses like this. John writes this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God. And what we will be has not 
yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Bask in verses like that. Bask in God's goodness in his love. Question for us all is, are we doing that? Are we basking, spending time soaking in the love of God? I'd encourage us to spend some time reflecting, not on what others think of us, not on what the boss thinks of us, not what our children or our parents or our friends think of us, or even what we think of ourselves, but spend time reflecting on what God thinks about us. What is he saying about your life? Asking in God's love leads to a life beyond envy. And the second thing, give thanks for God's blessings. Be thankful. Be very thankful. Thankfulness kills envy. Shatters it. Shatters comparison. Psalm 103 verse 2, the psalmist writes this, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. All of them. Don't forget them. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Now that's quite a tall order, isn't it? Remembering them all. Dear Modi, 19th century evangelist, he wrote this. If you can't remember all God's benefits, just don't forget them all. In other words, remember some of them. Cultivate a good memory of what the Lord has done for you. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So take time, there's a saying, isn't there? Count your blessings. So important to do that. It will kill envy in our lives. Count your blessings. You might say, well, where do I start? Where do I start with that? Let me make a suggestion. Start with your body. Your heart should still be beating. You're taking air into your lungs. You may well have hands that move. If you can hear, thank God for your hearing. If you can see, thank God for your sight. Thank God that you, you know, for the organs that work. Thank God that they work. Then thank God for the material things that you have. Put out a cup of coffee this morning. Maybe you're going to have a donut in ten minutes' time. If you slept in a bed last night, thank God for that. If you had a roof over your head, thank God for that. If you watch TV, thank God for that. And then, thank God for the mental gifts that you have. Thank God for your ability to think. If you had an education, thank God for that. If you can read, thank Him for that. Thank Him for your ability to reason stuff out. Thank God for the relational blessings you have in your life. Thank God for your friends, for your family, for, for parents, for children, for brothers and sisters, for colleagues, for people that love you. Thank God for them. And thank God for the spiritual blessings in your life. Thank God for your church. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for your Christian brothers and sisters. Thank God for preaching. Thank God for worship. And thank God that if you're a Christian, one day you'll be resurrected from the dead, resurrected from the dead and you will be fully alive in the presence of God. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. So here's a very practical idea for you this week. 
you take five or ten minutes on your own, get a piece of paper and a pen, and write down those things that God has given you. Things that you're thankful for. I did this last week. I tried to do it in five minutes, and I ran out of time. So I gave myself seven minutes. And I, that's what I just wrote down in seven minutes. And then I want to encourage you to do this. Look at what you have written down and say something like this. Thank you, God. None of this has to be. God, you owe me nothing. Everything is grace. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Let me close with this. There's a, a Pulitzer Prize winning author called Jerry Saltz. He wrote this. You must make an enemy of envy today. Today. By tonight. Because it will eat you alive. It will eat you alive. Those two things, basking in God's love, being thankful, will kill envy. Otherwise, envy will devour us. It will kill us from the inside out. But I believe that we can live a life beyond envy because Jesus has come to set us free. So I'd like to pray this morning. And where I'd love to start is just by you know, making an invitation. You may be here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. But I hope what you've heard is there is a life beyond that he invites us into. Maybe you're here this morning and you've become disconnected from relationship with God. And again, you can pray this prayer with me in your hearts as a way of saying, Jesus, I want to connect with you. So can I just invite us where we are right now, simply to bow our heads, close our eyes, so this is a moment between us and Jesus, and I'll pray this very simple prayer, and you can make this prayer your own. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite me into a life beyond where I'm living right now. Jesus, you invite me into an expansive, creative life in relationship with you. Jesus, I'm sorry for the words that I go my own way, for the things that I do wrong, for my sin that kills me on the inside. Jesus, thank you that you died for me so that I can be free. So Lord Jesus, I say yes to you, I open my heart to you. I want to live the life that you offer to me. I say yes to life this morning. And I pray that you would fill me with life by your Holy Spirit. That you would enable me to experience the life beyond. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just as we've got our heads bowed, could I just simply ask uh, you to indicate if you've prayed that for the first time this morning or because you're wanting to reconnect in a relationship with God, could you, just as I look around, could you look up and catch my eye because I would love just to connect um, at the end of the service and encourage you um, in some next steps. So I'm going to look around, just catch my eye if you've prayed that this morning with me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, those that have come in. Grab me, grab one of the other staff, grab someone that you came with this morning. We would love um, to help you take some next steps in a relationship with God.
wonderful. Ash, if you're around, do you want to come on back? If you're around, why don't you stand with me? We're going to have an opportunity to pray uh, with and for one another this morning. My, my suspicion is that all of us in different ways resonate with what we see in Saul. We live in a world of, of comparison. And we're always comfortable in our own skin because we see what somebody else has. And we you know, can want that. We can envy that. And so here's just a few things that I want to share this morning that may just be the invitation that you need to kind of step forward and have someone pray with you this morning. If, if you're someone that comes away from social media feeling depressed, we would love to pray this morning. I'll say that in all seriousness. If, if, you, if you're someone that gets caught up in that world of comparison and envy through social media, we would love to pray this morning. There may be for others times when you just don't feel comfortable in your own skin. And that comes from a comparison with other people. It's that sort of self-diminishing thing. And you're not comfortable with who you are and what God has given to you. We would love to pray this morning. You may just be aware of particular envy that you hold towards somebody maybe at work, maybe someone in, in church that gets to do what you would love to do, and you just recognize that. And, and it will be killing you inside. We would love to pray. I want to encourage you to be honest this morning. Simply be honest. When, if you recognize, now my suspicion is if I said if anybody here feels like they're envious, come on forward, we'll run out of space. But I want to just invite you to be honest. If you've particularly resonated with some of the things that we've shared this morning, you know that this is starting to kill inside. We would love to pray this morning because there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We don't have to die inside. We can live a life beyond. You might have come to church with other needs this morning. You know, your body hurts, your head hurts, your heart hurts. We would love to pray. So the way that we'll do it, there's space at the front and around the sides. As you come on board, one or two people will simply come alongside you and pray with you this morning. So could I just ask, if you'd love someone to pray with you this morning, could you come forward straight away? Just be really honest. No one will know whether you're coming forward because you've got a bad knee or because you want to kill your colleague. No one will know. Anyone else? Maybe I'll pray and then you'll come under, under the cover of worship. Lord, thank you that you 